0: 97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th, in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey, everybody. Thank you you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about a topic that feels more important today than ever before. But all in all, always an important topic, and that topic is certainty. We have my good friend and business partner in the Whale Club here, Paul Sparks, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now, we do this show because a wise man once asked a question, If you take your business in the last three years and take all the losses and turn them into zeros, what would your bottom line look like? And that really resonated with me and that really wise man, Dan Nicholson himself. So we are here to help you achieve financial certainty by rigging the game in your favor. Now I'm also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So all this information here alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years if you'll take consistent action You will become one. If you get value today, please share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. Now, Paul and I are going to be talking. What may sound like a totally different language might cause some confusion. That's okay. Just keep the loop open. Just bear with us. And if you can't, just write your takeaways in the live chat. And after you put some thought into it, put your six-word update in the comments below. And today what we're talking about is what do Jenga players get right? that business owners get wrong all the time. So before we jump into that, let's do a six word update real quick. Paul, what do you got? So mine is
1: over the shoulder look into certainty. Um, And we just kicked off the next group of 20 investors in the, uh, the whale club. And we are gonna allow some people to sort of look over our shoulder through this process. So, you know, Keep an eye out on our social media. We're going to be dropping some six-word updates from the process, dropping a few tools in there for you guys to see. Uh, May may even let a few of the recordings come out so you can get a sense of what we're doing inside the club. Um, Yeah, it'll be an over-the-shoulder
0: look. That's awesome. For me, anti-fragile and robust are not identical. (laughs) All right. So I'm finally picking up anti-fragile um paul told me about it and then i heard even more from nick and dan and uh wow that's a i'm only a few chapters in and that's a that's a total game changer
1: it could stop a bullet that book
0: (laughs) it it could (laughs) it could yeah and so i was like man like i'm robust i'm building a business that can't fail and that's not the point of the book the point of the book is not to not to do well when things are tough the book is about Doing really well, so not surviving, but doing really well when uh, when things go tough. So, anyway, so what Jenga players get right? Talk about that. I mean, we've all played Jenga, and I I,
1: I think of the adult Jenga um, because they're just big blocks and they make big crashes when they fall. Um, uh, and so, like when I imagine playing Jenga, you know. Y- when you're playing Jenga, like you don't walk up to that block and just mash one of them in, you know, that wouldn't make for a very good Jenga player. Yeah. Um, You know, what do we do? We sort of like tap on this one, tap on that one, find the one that's, you know, loose. And it's like, Oh, this one's pretty stiff. Touch one over here. It's like, Oh, that one's a little looser, but you're like, well, and you find the one that just moves effortlessly. And then you take that one out. Hmm. Right.
0: So, let me ask you this. So I was in the mastermind last year, and I heard this brilliant idea. They're like, you need to hire an affiliate manager Steve, with the business you've got and the reach you've got, you should definitely hire an affiliate manager. okay, here's what they're going to do, right They're going to talk to all your partners and they're going to help you uh, you guys going to work together, you're going to promote their products, they're going to promote your products and you're just gonna have all this massive revenue. This person's gonna pay basically like five times his own income if you can hire this affiliate manager. So okay, like what do I gotta do? It's like well we got a coach. He's an affiliate manager coach. It's okay. And what's he gonna do? He's gonna coach your guy on how to be an excellent affiliate manager. And I said okay, done, right? I get back home, tell our in-house recruiter, hey, we're hiring an affiliate managers. Like what the hell is that? It's like oh, it's this awesome. Thing right, and so we go and hire this guy. We pay him a healthy base, plus upside in the revenue. Plus we hire his coach, which was five k a month. I think it was five k to get started, and then a five k a month commitment for six months. So we're into it on one side with the coach for like thirty k. We're into it on the other side. I want to say when we pulled the, when we finally pulled the plug, we were into it probably like forty some k in, uh, in in wages right and what do we have to show for it Pupcus. right so how would this have helped <laughs> how would jenga have helped in this scenario
1: well that's the classic block that won't move yeah. you know you, you pressed on it and it's like it's one of those like you you went and you tried <laughs> to mash it and then the whole jenga tower came <laughs> over it's like what are you doing you know you, there's no there's no finesse there was no you know we call that stepping. Mm-hmm. Right. Well,
0: well I macro stepped it. Oh, you did? I macro stepped it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I took a, I did a, it was like a long jump or a high jump or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and that's just such a
1: great case in point for how many other areas of our business have we just mashed the jenga <laughs> block and not like sort of, uh, you know, Dr. Jeff Spencer, who spoke at our certainty uh, event, event that yep. we had. Yeah you know, he's, he's my personal coach as well. He calls this soft offense, right? So, you know, we get these, we get these ideas and we want to go all in on them. And that's just the, that's the version. I, I just imagine it's like just coming and mashing one of those blocks. Um, well, he calls it soft offense, where it's lightly pressing on a couple different opportunities. And so, you know, how does that apply in this case to this affiliate manager? Like, what do you feel like you mash the block? and if so (laughs) what could you have done to maybe like
0: i felt like i tried to push a block through the box before i opened it (laughs) (laughs) looking in hindsight right knowing what we know today because like you guys we can laugh at my failure right because like this was you know for all intents and purposes a six-figure mistake last year right but we can laugh at it because we're still here to talk about it but knowing what we know now it felt like (laughs) we before we even opened the box of Jenga, we were trying to <laughs> push the block through. So I already know
1: which block's going to get pushed before it even stacks up.
0: Yeah, I already know which is the block. Like, Because I, I wasn't a mastermind, Paul. You don't understand. I wasn't a mastermind, and they told me this was the block to push.
1: This guy made money, mm-hmm. and this block has been pulled out before. Yeah. So therefore, in my stack, it must be worth
0: pulling. It's the same exact block. The same exact block he had in his Jenga tower... I already can see it through the plastic on my box of Jenga. So I already know, Paul, I'm good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and,
1: and we talk about case. I mean, at, at this point, everybody's probably, if you've listened to this show, you've heard us talk about case, the acronym case. So collect, analyze, strategize, execute. And this is the classic like execute, right? You, you don't <laughs> even like, you know, collect might be touch on a few of these, see which one's loose, then you're like, oh, you analyze it and say, well, this is by far the loosest one. Mm-hmm. Okay, So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like kind of wiggle it a little bit and slide it out and then we go execute on it. But but no, that's not what we do in business. We go hire an affiliate manager and we hire their coach and we give them a base and we do all these things with no, un, you know, um, just based on the fact that in the past, this block has been pulled out mm-hmm. so,
0: successfully so for someone base, else.
1: Yeah, for somebody else in a different Jenga game. That block's been pulled out before, so by god, we're going to take it.
0: Yeah. So but what's the
1: risk, of that, right? Like what's the risk? Mm. What's the risk in Jenga, Steve? Like what's the risk in Jenga of doing that?
0: Uh, the risk is the tower comes crumbling down and you get laughed at while everyone's like rolling rolling and laughter and pointing at you. That's the risk. <laughs> at least that's been yeah. my experience in Jenga.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty much how it happens. Big giant crash and then everyone you know, in the room is like, what was that? It's like, well, yeah. I was an idiot and I, I mashed the wrong block.
0: Well, and not just that. I mean, when I'm not in the game of Jenga, right? You turn around, like, what, what happened? And then we can see what happened, right? It was a mess. So what's the risk? The risk is our business crumbling entirely, right? So that's the game risk. But the reality is I've shared with a bunch of people, right, on our, uh, some of these calls, like 2022 was a, was a tough year one of the reasons was these self-inflicted wounds, right? And this was a massive self-inflicted wound. So I guess like, you know, let's go, we get the benefit of hindsight, right? We're using this specific uh, case study here, but let's just say, right, you and I would go to this mastermind, right? And I was like, Paul, I've got the perfect strategy for you, right? With your reach, your relationships, Your credibility. There's no way this is not going to you know five x your ROI, Paul. You need to go hire an affiliate manager. I got the perfect affiliate manager coach for that guy. Like we're good to go. Now you're going to do the soft offense and poking at the blocks. What does poking the poking the blocks look like?
1: It's one of those things where. I love this Jenga analogy because what got the block to move out in a previous game is not what's going to necessarily get it to come out in this game. It could be sitting in a different orientation. It could be sitting in a different spot on the Jenga board. Right. And, and it could also be that as you start stacking these things up and pulling blocks out over time, that block that was uh, rigid and wouldn't move before now starts to become loose and you can pull that block out. So the the real risk I think here is trying to compare your Jenga game with Jenga games that have been played in the past, you know? Yeah, I get it. We're all playing with the same blocks. Like real estate really hasn't changed. Uh We're still buying houses and rentals and doing fix and flips and developments. I mean, all that stuff is, is the same, but we want to, we want to look at other Jenga games and say, well, by God, if that if that block moved in that game, it should be the, the you know the one that moves for me. But that's just not the case. Um, so this is a version of micro steps. And yep. uh, Dan's book, Rigging the Game, he talks about uh, this phrase: like anytime you're going to do something new, anytime you're going to pull a block from the jenga board. Uh, well, we want what he calls a preponderance of data, mm-hmm. which basically means. Like, let's tap on it a few times and see if it moves before we try to pull it. And if that one doesn't work, let's go to the next one. So what are those, you know, what do those taps look like? I mean, it's very situational, but let's talk about it in terms of your your affiliate manager, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So when he says the micro step, what he means by that is like, take the smallest step possible to get feedback from the system. You know, so it means don't just mash that Jenga block, tap on it a little bit. So I would turn this back to you because obviously you know the situation better than I do. What would have been the smallest step you could have taken in that, uh, whether it's hiring or gathering additional information? I mean, what what's the smallest step you could take in that
0: situation? I guess looking back and slowing down, which is hard because I'm not biased to slow down. I'm a quick start uh, on the Colby, Right. Uh, I think probably ask who else has had success with an affiliate manager? Who else has hired a person in this seat at their company?
1: Yeah. I, I think that's good. I think you know, part of the case is is also like how does this fit with your solvable problem? Right. First of all. Right? Is this actually helping me get closer to what I want? there is I, I i think i actually disagree with you looking at other people's businesses and saying like well have they had success uh-huh. that in my mind is like looking at previous jenga games and saying well this block came out in a previous game uh-huh. so you know maybe it's the one that i should pull yeah. you know so i i think first of all it's running through like your game is this something that uh that I actually want? Does this actually help me get closer to my solvable problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, and once, and let's say that it does align with that, right? Okay. Check. Cool. We collected that information, but the that's a great step- question
0: though, right? Cause this goes back to solve a problem, which we've talked about on the show multiple times, but even though we've talked about it, even though I've, I've spoken about it, <laughs> I'm still not fully starting there. Right. I'm still not, it's not part of my, um, subconsciousness yet yeah right again i was just oh, saying like i said a moment ago my bias is massive action and so i'm saying yeah go ask everyone else he's like no that's that's probably still a little bit further let's 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 ran the questions in a little bit more internally inside our circle before we go outside our our, our, our circle
1: yeah well dan calls this like what he calls seeking consensus mm-hmm. and you know it's a it's that is a huge risk that we take because we show up and we're like well how did it how did you do it or well, what works for you, but you don't know what their solvable problem is. You don't know the dynamics of their team. You don't know their, their financial statements. You don't know all of these things. You're just like, that's a strategy that that's a block that's been pulled in a previous game. Interesting. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. It is, it is good information to know that like that strategy works, but it's gotta be put into context. Right. Um, You know, so I'm thinking more on the lines of, Uh, when I hire somebody now, for example, um, because we've been thinking about growing our team, of course, the market's sort of like being weird right now. So we're, I'm, I'm being very careful with this, but the next time I hire somebody or bring somebody on, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, what's the smallest interval that I can go to try to get some sort of like performance feedback and clarify that with the other side. So for example... If you're going to hire a sales of an affiliate manager, let's say, mm-hmm. you might define ahead of time what needs to happen in the first 30 days in order for you to continue with that person. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, I think there's that, and I think you know, let's let's uh, devil's advocate is not the right word, but let's just talk through this a little bit more so I have greater clarity, right? So you say, start off, is this in alignment with your solve a problem, which is a great question and definitely a question that must be answered before we make any financial decisions. Cause that goes back to another one of the wealth commitments, but I would argue, right. I would ask, I would find out who else has had success with it and how were they able to accomplish, to get that success. And then in the success that they had, seeing how they were able to do it, would that be in alignment to something that's how, something I could do? Right. Meaning Do they have the same email list? Do they have uh, the same relationships? You know, um, one thing that, you know, we talked about a lot on the show is playing your game, right? Mm -hmm. One of my non-negotiables is traveling. I don't want to travel week in, week out. Is this a position where I have to be constantly traveling to create relationships? I don't know exactly. Right. But I think going back to getting a preponderance of data, at least, or at least not preponderance of data in this instance, but even like, collecting information just find out like what how we're, not only do they have these seats but how are they able to excel in their roles and is that something that i would want to is that then is that something i'd be comfortable doing going back to the solvable problem component
1: i think you're spot on i think it's it's just that we we tend to skip the first question right <laughs> which is like is this actually helping me get closer to what i want or am i just chasing more yeah right so I'm not saying don't go pull you know case you know examples of other people who have do, done this. Go look at other Jenga games and see does that block move in that situation. Well, that's helpful information to know, but only in the context of like is this actually something that I want in the first place?
0: Right, and that kind of goes back to what Nick talks about, right? Like don't look at data if it's not going to modify your behavior.
1: Exactly. Oh, that's spot on. Um, the other thing that's come into mind and, uh, and we, first of all, we call this the professional skeptic frame, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, it's our version of devil's advocate. So like when we say when we play uh, professional skeptic, we're just sort of like trying to see both sides unbiased. Well, if I if I stand on this side of the table, what does that look like? You know, on this side, what does it look like? So, um, you know, another way that i'm trying to evaluate all my decisions through is yeah first is this something that gets me closer to what i want or am i just chasing more secondly uh what are the biases i need to recognize like how is this done how has this been done you know we're you and i have almost the same colby score right Mm -hmm. we're super high quick starts which means we're extremely biased to being like i love that strategy let's just go (laughs) do it right right um you know, so one of the things I'm doing to help pull myself back.
0: Let me, let me, got- let me elaborate on that just a little bit for as a great direction. Right. So Colby, for those of you guys who don't know, right. It's just a different, uh, tendency test, right. There's uh, quick start there's fact finder. There's follow through and there's implementer, right. An implementer is not what everyone thinks it is. Implementer just means like, do you like things that are spatial? Right. Um, Paul and I are both eights. If I recall correctly, right which is basically like, Hey, Steve, we need you to go do this. And we'll say yes without any additional details. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause we're the kind of people that you just put in there as like, Hey, we have a situation here. We need to go fix it. I got it. I'll go in there with no idea what's going on. Cause I have unreasonable faith that I will figure it out while I'm there. Yeah. That's great. Probably. Usually when you're starting a business, a lot less great when there are things on a line where downside is, it, where, where where the being wrong could be really bad.
1: Well, and it's not. It's like that's a blessing. I, I don't mean it to sound like that's not a good trait. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm ha- I'm proud of my quick start. Yeah. Right, it's got me where I where I am. I'm assuming you would give credit to that as well. Oh but yeah. What yeah. we are is that can bite you in certain scenarios.
0: For sure, for sure. I, I, like, you know, and again, this is totally a tangent here, but I, I would argue it's much better to be the kind of person that would run into a burning building while asking questions and figure it out later, and then refine yourself. Then to be the kind of person that will always sit and question everything and then try to get yourself to take action. I think that would be a much harder thing to do. They're both hard, but I think it's much better to be biased in action and learn restraint than to be biased in not taking action and then having to watch motivational videos every morning to take action.
1: Yeah, well, and and so how about we just change the, the language from, uh, it's, it's a bias, instead of a bias towards action, it's a bias towards micro-stepping. Like keep the action part. I love that. You know, it's mm-hmm. great that you're a quick start. But let's just, let's just take the steps and make them smaller. Right. 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 And so what I was going to say is run this through, uh, what Dan, what Dan calls the four lenses. And we've talked about this previously on the, on a show. So a version of collecting information, you know, you've got this great strategy and you're like, we're going to hire an affiliate manager and here's all the things that we're going to do. Okay, great. Let's run that through the four lenses. Before we do anything else, let's just say, You know, for um, the four lenses are, the first is, is it a cost savings? So affiliate manager hiring this, this whole thing right there was, is it a cost savings?
0: Nope.
1: Okay, strike one, (laughs) is it a time savings?
0: Uh, Only in the argument, if we're gonna go with trying to get to where I wanna go faster, and that's like a really like, that's an argument with a ton of holes in it, right? It does not hold water. <laughs> but, in, you know, in an in a, in a unclear mental state, I can make the argument, yes, it, it does <laughs> save a little bit of time. Okay. But not well, we'll in a day to, that, but not day-to-day we'll day operations.
1: A we'll give that a half check. Half check. Um, so it's not a cost savings. It's, it could be a time savings in certain scenarios. Is it a revenue generator? 100%. Okay, cool, that's good. Is it a forcing function for something you were gonna have to do anyways?
0: No, we were gonna do it eventually, but not in a way that this is something that had to be done right now, right? Cause like my understanding with forcing function is, gonna, is making me do something right now, something I had to do anyway. It's just bringing that time up sooner, right? Mm-hmm. In this context, It's something I'm gonna have to do anyway. Well, I don't need to. It's something I've been wanting to do anyway, but it was never a priority. Like if if I I didn't do this, it would not hurt me. Yeah. And so,
1: if it doesn't check three boxes for me, it I'm not doing it.
0: Yeah, I think we were. I think that was a half check for one, and like a a little shade on the fourth one. Yeah. So So not even not not even one.
1: Just shy of three, right? <laughs> Two and three quarters. No, so, I'm saying know,
0: no. This was not even. It wasn't even one full check between those four questions.
1: Right, because we had a we had revenue generator and a half check on time <laughs> savings and a quarter check on <laughs>
0: Yeah. So you're
1: at one and three quarters. So I would just be like, eh, "Nope, that doesn't work." Right. Right. Okay, we're not doing it because it doesn't meet at least three of those things. And I found that filter right there will we'll make 90% of my decisions just like already made for me, right? If it doesn't check three of those four boxes, then why are you doing it anyways?
0: Uh, because, Paul, everyone else in the mastermind told me to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, because that's our bias, right? <laughs> because we're just, we're so biased towards, yeah, but look what they're doing.
0: I mean, we're not biased because they told us to do it, but we're biased to like, oh man, like they're able to do what? wow, that's cool. I want that. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: let's just assume that it does pass the four lenses. And and again, this is like, I can't tell you the amount of headache that I've saved myself just having a process to be like, does it pass the four lenses? If it doesn't, then why are we talking about it? Just Mm -hmm. forget about it. It's not, it may not, it may be a good strategy, but it doesn't fit with what you're trying to do right now. So forget about it. Yeah. But let's just say that it does like, let's say that this, you, you know, great idea. It passes three of the four lenses. Okay. Now what? The next question is, and I, and I like to, this is by far the biggest struggle that I have. Cause it actually forces me to like slow down and write these things down. It's, it's defining what, what Dan says is, um, uh, you don't scale until you hit predefined targets. What, I, what that means to me is you got to define the rules of success ahead of time. You know, um, if you're going to hire this person, what do you need to see in the first 30 days? What do you need to see in the first 90 days? Yeah. What do you need to see in the first six months? Right. And if, if, if you don't have that stuff predefined and written down, you you will do like what I do in every, almost every situation, which is just like make up the rules as you go.
0: That, that's exactly what we did in this role. This is exactly what it is. Like, hey, it's not working. Well, let's do this. Well, let's do that. Well, have we tried this? Well, let's do this instead. And uh, well, what is
1: working? You know, what does it mean when you say it's not working? Yeah. Right? We define what success looks like.
0: You no, know, um, we didn't.
1: No. But that's so typical. I mean, uh, this is this has happened to me, and most of our projects that we've done are fix and flips. You've heard me talk about fix and flips mm-hmm. so many times, um, you know. But we didn't define ahead of time. Like, well, what? It's so embarrassing to say this stuff. It's like hard to admit sometimes. But it's like, well, did you define with your contractor very clearly the expectations of when this is supposed to be done by, and the consequences of what it's you know, and get that agreed upon up front. It's like no, you're just trying to, you know. We're
0: supposed to do that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Apparently so. (laughs) Um, And we learn these, we learn these lessons, and and we start to kind of like do them naturally as you get, you know, better and better. The more more people I've been, you know, interviewing on my podcast, I you start to see a pattern. Like the the experienced guys and girls, right? They've done this. They've 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 made these mistakes. And they start making fewer and fewer mistakes as they go on. Yeah, uh, but I do think that that is the what leads to a lot of these people's longevity and success in the business is is this process of like we'll slow ourselves down. Let's define the rules up front. If this block, if I tap on this block and it's not clearly loose, I'm going to go to another block.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Django because it's so quick. And we've, and it's it so obvious because the result is the whole thing falls over. It's like immediate feedback. So we don't make that mistake in Jenga, yeah. but we make it all the time in business because there's, there's these time gaps between our decisions and the results. And like, and because we're, you know, busy, I mean, how many times have we heard that excuse or have I made that excuse? Right? Like, I'm just busy. So we're going so fast that I'm willing to make a few mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So- Man, that's just such, an, that's such a bad place to operate from.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, talking about as you become seasoned, like you've learned these mistakes, and I think like a lot of us, we've learned some of these principles. What's really helpful like in the Whale Club when we're talking about these principles and how they apply directly in our business, it's, it's you know, like we were saying earlier, right, like we're speaking a different language. So like when someone else in our Whale Club community is doing this or that, we, we can just point it out, hey, like, Before we take it another step, like, did you already go through the four lenses? Uh, Did you apply the commissioner frame of this one? Oh, you haven't. Okay. And it just guesses to stop dead in our tracks and actually proactively evaluate the situation that we're in versus like, well, this is what I'm going through. And like, well, how did you get here? (laughs) How do you plan on getting through it? But instead of prescribing, we'll just ask the question, have you done this? And now they have the set of questions that they can evaluate. And it's like, Oh, answer is obvious.
1: So it's so true. And, and it's the same thing. Like this book was not written for real estate investors, (laughs) but it was written for real estate investors, right? It's also written for any other industry out there. Success is not a secret to the people who have achieved it. Right. They have a certain operating system, a certain way of going about doing things. A lot of times, you pick these things up as scars along the road, yeah. right? You know, you barrel through, you collect all these scars, and then you learn these lessons eventually, hopefully without total ruin, right? And the people that you see that have success, they've they've done these things. And what we're trying to do is take the, the things that we've learned from from Dan and, and give language to the stuff that successful people already, already understand these ideas. We're just giving a word to it. We're taking an entire like paragraph or page of a, of a concept and then we can describe it in one or two words. Oh, yeah. you probably didn't case, probably didn't use the four lenses, maybe go back and use the, the commissioner frame or the parenting frame.
0: I mean, before the show started, Paul asked me a question. I, it was fun asking him, did you collect data yet? That was actually kind of fun. Um, you know, there's another thing too, like uh, first, actually before I even get to this point, right? Like you, you, you showed the book on the video here, you pulled up to your camera, and so we're talking again, over the shoulder, what was it exactly we we're talking about? Uh, at the, so beginning of the show?
1: We, yeah, so there's a couple things that I'm, I'm excited to, to announce today. First is that uh, we're going to be doing because we just started our journey uh, for the next group at the Whale Club, right? And, and what Steve just sort of alluded to, um, or basically just stated very explicitly, is like, there's a series of questions you should ask yourself in or in an order. And most of the time when we run into problems in business, it's because we didn't do certain things in the right order. First of all, does this fit with your solvable problem? Secondly, have you identified the things that you're probably very biased towards, right? Meaning, are, are you the type of person to just skip past the collect and analyze phase? You know, I actually just interviewed uh, Chandler Sane, and I know you know Chandler. Uh-huh. I'm like a fanboy of Chandler now um, because he's so good at that. He, his brain is wired towards, I need the data first. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so like getting into a group on uh, a community of people who speak the same language as you, and I can point out this gap between your actions and your intentions. You know, it's like, I don't mean to be an a-hole here, but like, and that's how Nick would say that. Yeah. I don't mean to be an a-hole here, but you said you wanted this. And this is the action I'm seeing you take, right? And perfect case in point, Steve, is right before we hit record here, I was talking to you about this thing that I wanted to do. And you're like, Do you have the, have you collected all that information? You're like, I'm like, Crap. No, I didn't. It's like, (laughs) I'm studying this and talking about it like week over week over week. How am I still making this mistake? Because you're human and you're subject to your biases, whether you like them or not. You, you have to get around the right people that can point those things out. Um, so anyways, back to the point about the, the over the shoulder look is we're going to be giving you guys insights into the questions that we're asking week over week for the next 12 weeks, um, you know, talking about inside the whale club community. The very first one is what's the problem you're actually trying to solve, right? We've talked about the solvable problem so many times. So like, how do you define success for yourself? And uh, and so we're going to be providing that check Facebook, watch Steve and I on social media. We're going to be putting some of this stuff up there so that you guys can engage and, and kind of, you know, see into the process of what this looks like. And you can just completely be a fly on the wall and watch uh, as we go through this.
0: Yeah. And then I was going to be bringing up the certainty event. Right. That one that we held back in September, which, you know, we're talking about potentially in the uh, offering in the over the shoulder. Look, uh, Nick, you know, we were, we were speaking. He was talking about um, we have this thing where we hit the same problem over and over again and it doesn't matter just because of how we're wired and the issues that we have, you never really get over this problem until you fix it. What, What you end up doing is you make this problem bigger every time you go through it. Right. And so for me, I was looking at like, um, you know, prior to meeting you, meeting Nick and Dan, the problem I would always have is I would take bigger risks and bigger risks and bigger risk, because what would happen is revenue grows. So what do you have to do? Well, I want more revenue. So what do you have to do to get more revenue? You got to increase expenses, right? Logical. So then your revenue grows some more. And then what do you do? Well, I want to grow even more. So then you increase expenses and then your revenue grows. And what you always end up have, what I always found, and I think I could probably speak for at least 90% of entrepreneurs is that your cash flow, your active income never really exceeds a certain threshold because you're always increasing your expenses with your revenue because you're always chasing more. Whereas if you would just, like we were talking about last week, as far as just uh, raising the floor, then your income would increase without increasing your expenses. But that's not fun, right? Raising the floor. What's fun is, raising the ceiling over and over again. So, you know, just talking about, it was, it was just something that came up. I had this, you know, uh, epiphany, uh, and we were talking about the certainty event and that just like totally like clicked again.
1: Yeah. Well, so there, this was, this was in, uh, September of 2022. So I don't know, five months ago, four or five months ago, and we are going to do a little giveaway. All right. So, I mean, it was Dan, it was Nick, it was Dr. Jeff Spencer, it was Steve and myself all speaking on, you know, this practical application of certainty and how to use it in real estate. And, you know, these are the guys who really taught Steve and I all the stuff that we know. Um, And Dan has done a couple of things. He's really summarized it in this book, Rigging the Game. And so what we want to do is we want to give out access, free access to, Uh, to the Certainty Summit, that uh, Certainty event we did last year. Again, it's probably five hours of video from that event, from all of us speaking on this topic. And so we want to give that away to you guys for free for for listening to this. But we ask a couple things, all right? So the first thing is go pick up the copy uh, of Rigging the Game. You can order that on Amazon. If you got 12 bucks, you can get it shipped to you in two days, right? It's, it's probably one of the, the, the most influential books in my life. I read a lot of books. Um, and this is one that is is extremely applicable, right? So the language that we're using on this show, he breaks down into this book very, very clearly so you can understand all these different things, right? So if you want to learn a little bit more about the language and what we're talking about, you can go get that book. If you buy that book, you take a picture of it, and you tag Steve, myself, and Dan on social media, we will send you the free copies of all of these videos, right? Now, everybody that was there paid about $1,000 to be in that room to get these Plus airfare and hotel. Plus airfare and hotel. We will give that to you entirely for free. I shouldn't say it's free. It costs you $12 to get that, right? Go order this book, take a picture of it, tag us, Steve, myself, and Dan Nicholson, the author of the book on social media, and then we will send you free copies of this uh, certainty event that we did.
0: Yep. Okay. So we're talking about some other examples too, right? Like where, where we've done this, where we've gone crazy. And uh, the, the not playing this off offense correctly has shown up in our businesses and some issues. What are some other examples of where uh, some other examples of uh, not playing soft offense correctly?
1: Yeah. The, the one that I think about on there's, there's, there's examples of this in every area of my business, marketing, hiring, you know, sales, it's like, it's everywhere. But the one that I was thinking about before we got on here was cold calling You know, um, I, we didn't do any cold calling. We were doing direct mail primarily for the first year or so of my business. I got into collective genius and I, and I show up and everybody's like, well, here's a vendor that, has all of the cold callers, you just hire them. And, you know, you can get a mojo dialer and you can, you know, you can get, uh, forget all the systems and stuff. Right. But it was like, cool, let's go do it. You know? So I came back from that event thinking, man, I'm about to have a massive flood of leads.
0: I'm going to make, well, so <laughs> make so much money.
1: I'm going to make so much money. It's crazy. <laughs> and so I I signed up and I got two cold callers and a texter and we got, mojo dialer and launch control and we were now pulling thousands of records of data and all this sort of stuff and it's like we never actually done that before we have never done it before and what turned out is like we were trying to fit something that worked for another person's company into our strategy we're not a high volume company Yeah. And cold calling, what it did is it created a ton of, you know, really not that great leads for us. We didn't have a great CRM. We were, you know, I like to say it's like driving traffic over a bridge that's not stable. Right. The bridge just wasn't stable and we were driving all this traffic over it. And I paid a lot of money to get those leads, to hire these people, these virtual assistants from the Philippines. You know, we were paying for all this data and it's like we get these leads. And what happened was we didn't have the right processes set up. And so my sales guys would scrape off the top layer, the best of the best, they would go try to work on those. And the rest of those leads are still sitting in my CRM to this day. Now we're trying to figure out how to actually get activity to them. And it's all because I went in there and just mashed that cold calling block because it was a block that's been pulled in somebody else's Jenga game.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's look at it, you know, you guys know I'm passionate about sales, right? I do sales training, whatever, right? So let's let's look at it. Another example, right? Going back to Paul's example of cold calling and my ap- application of sales, right? Paul is a severely motivated seller. He's got to sell by the end of this month, right? Or he's going to lose his house to foreclosure. I call Paul. Hey, Paul, this is Steve. I buy houses. So, you know, are you ready to accept the low offer? That's mashing. <laughs> <laughs> that it jingle blogger right? I got yeah. zero commitment, zero clarity. I don't know where I stand, right? So what do we got to do? Hey, I got to sell the call. Hey, Paul, you know what? I don't know. You got 30 seconds, probably not interested in selling your property. I got to get a first commitment. That's a little soft offense. I get a commitment. Okay. Now I've sold the call, right? Paul has agreed to two to five minutes of a phone call at the end. I'm going to say, do I make an offer then? No. I got to do a little soft office. I got to sell an appointment. Hey, Paul, you know what? This does sound like potentially it probably might be comfortable working with. You know, um, I don't suppose it makes sense for us to set up another uh, meeting where we can talk about potentially buying your home, right? He's like, yeah, you know, maybe, right? So that's a little more soft offense. Trial closes. I'm I'm not emailing him a contract right now, right? get to the beginning of the, uh, we have our first face to face or over the phone. We have a conversation. Hey Paul, you know, you've got some questions. I've got some questions, you know, if it makes sense at the end, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll put everything in writing. If it's no, it's no big deal. What am I doing? I'm selling the appointment here. Right. But I'm still not asking for the contract yet. And then the last one is where I see most wholesalers and flippers get wrong. Right. Hey, Paul, Paul's like, Steve, look, for me to do this, I got to be 150. And I was like at 160, right? So I got excited. Hey, Paul, 150. If I could do 150, will you sign today? Right? That sounds like soft offense, but it's actually not. It's actually going a little too hard. So I might say, you know, Paul, I'm not really sure, but if I could do 150, what would happen next? Yeah. That's more soft offense, right? So this whole time, I'm not trying to smash a contract in your face. I am just pressing for it slowly, getting a little bit of, what do we call them? Micro commitments. It's been a long time since I got through traditional sales training, right? I'd be getting a little yep. mini commitments, micro commitments this whole way, applying soft offense, going from the first time I, he answered the phone all the way to a signed contract. At no point that I try to high jump or take a, uh, I I'd try to sprint through this wall to get the signed contract. So, Anyway, I hope that makes sense. You know, just another application, a soft offense.
1: It is. Well, let's see if I can get this to show. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, you know, this was a matrix that I got from Nick. uh, And I just love it because let's talk about these, these different blocks right here. Right. So if you guys can't see this on the top, I've got a little grid. It's a four, you know, on the top, there's a, it's good decision, bad decision. And on the side, it says good outcome, bad outcome. So the first block here is you make a good decision and you get a good outcome. And we're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. We made a good decision. We got a good outcome. Then, and you know, that's like the soft offense. You, you touched a couple Django Jenga blocks and you successfully pulled one out. It was nice and loose and you pulled it out. Great. Then there's the bad decision, bad outcome. Right. And, Of course, we understand that really easily as well. We made a bad decision and then we had a bad outcome. Well, that's obvious as well. It's these other two blocks right here that are extremely dangerous. You made a bad decision, but you got a good outcome, right? Like That causes a ton of confusion because, yeah, sometimes you're going to make bad decisions and it's going to work out. And then what's going to do? It's going to reinforce the fact that like, well, I can, you, know, you can understand the danger in that. Yeah. Right. And then the other one is, this is the most dangerous where like you make a good decision. You, you did everything right. You know, you had a 90% probability this is going to work out, but it didn't work out. And now you start questioning your decision-making. Did I do the right thing? Was, was that the right decision? just because you got a bad outcome doesn't necessarily mean you made the wrong decision. Right. And so it's these scenarios here that are extremely dangerous for us as entrepreneurs. We've got to be very careful evaluating good decisions that had a bad outcome because it doesn't mean our decision-making was wrong. Right. Sometimes you're going to pull a block from the Jenga board and the thing's going to fall over. And it may have been the best block to pull. It just might be like you're at the end of the game and you lost and that's just how it goes. Right. There also might be times where you walk up to that Jenga board and you mash one of them and you got lucky because that happened to be the loose one. Well, again, does that mean that your decision was good? No, it was a good it was a bad decision with a good outcome. Right. So that matrix right there has really helped me. Try to not get too down on myself when you make the right decision and you get a bad outcome, but also not lie to yourself when you made a bad decision but got a good outcome.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great chart. I mean, like when I try to explain this in in our in our, in our trainings, the example I always use is Antoine Walker, and most people are, are too young or don't understand or know who Antoine Walker is. So, do you know who Antoine Walker is? I
1: don't know who that is.
0: So you know who Paul Pierce is, though? Oh, yeah. Right? So in, on the Celtics, back in the day, it was, it was Anton Walker and Paul Pierce, and they were both jacking up eight threes a game. And this was the time where shooting eight threes a game was really bad form. Right? This is pre Stephen Curry, pre-Bruce Bowen in the corner, right? This is before all of this stuff, right? And they are both jacking up eight threes a game. Right? And can you pull back that chart real quick?
1: Dang, I already erased it. Sorry.
0: Oh, okay. So that's fine. But basically what happens is Antoine Walker making a three-pointer is a bad decision with a good outcome. And that's the worst possible outcome for the Celtics. Because what that meant was he was taking bad threes the rest of the night.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. So I think here, maybe for marketing purposes, you know, you do um, a direct mail piece and it just crushes. And now you're going to do direct mail for the rest of your life but that's the only deal you ever do, or, you know, I've seen this right here, right. in, in our sales training is, you know, a new client comes in and It's like, Oh yeah, I do one call closes. Okay. Tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, I call them, I co call them, I get them on the phone and they make a commitment and I sign a contract right then and there. I said, okay, cool. How often do you do that? It's like, well, I mean, we do it for here and there. So, okay, this is going to be the classic good outcome, but what is it? Bad, Bad decision. Bad decision. Right? Bad decision, good outcome. Because does this work? Absolutely. Is this a model that can work forever? I'm not as sold on that. Right? Mm. So I think you could do a little bit better if you sell an appointment where we're talking about potentially buying your home. Because most people on a cold call, my belief, could be entirely wrong, are not, I hope someone calls me today and wants to buy my house. I think typically they go from like, who is this person that called me and to get someone mentally and emotionally from a complete call out of the blue all the way to, I'm going to sell my house to the person that just called me in a span of 30 minutes. Can you do it? A hundred percent. Can you run a business off of it? I think that kind of falls into the bad decision, good problem category.
1: Yeah. I mean, can you close somebody on the very first phone call when you're cold calling? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Does that mean it's a good decision? No. Right? Because right. these are all probabilities. Like, the probability is low. But, it, but again, like you said, it's the worst thing for the Celtics for him to hit that three. Because now he's like, see? Told you so.
0: Yeah, green light. Right. Let's go, coach. Green
1: light. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and I think this perfectly applies to the Jenga situation. Right? You can mash one of those blocks and and, you know... Pull it out and it worked great. But does that mean that should be your strategy playing Jenga? No, you're gonna lose in the long term doing that. So yeah, be very I, I try to remind myself like be very careful of making good decisions and getting bad outcomes because that's also really dangerous. You start second guessing, like, did I do the right things? Well, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the outcome is correlated to the decision right? It's not one and the same. You can, it's all probabilities, right? You can have a 90% probability that you make the right decision and you get the right outcome, but 10% of the time you're going to get the wrong outcome. It doesn't mean that your decision-making process was incorrect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
0: so I think wrapping up here, what you want to explain again, how they can get the, the videos.
1: Yeah. So again, this is, uh, these are some of the guys who have taught Steve and I what we know about this. In fact, he wrote the book on it. So if you want to get these certainty uh, videos, and it's uh, it's just a series of five videos, you're going to hear from Dan Nicholson, Nick Peterson, Dr. Jeff Spencer. He talks on the human mindset, Champion's Mind. It's a, it's a freaking killer presentation. And you know, you probably don't want to hear from Steve or I because you guys hear from us all the time, but you're going to get that anyways. <laughs> right? so there's some free videos that we can give you. We just ask you to do one thing. Go order this book, Rigging the Game by Dan Nicholson. It's about, like I said, I think it's like 12 bucks on Amazon right now. Uh, Get it. Take a picture of it on social media. Either, you know, you don't have If you're you're not a social media person, just take a picture of it and and tag us in a a private message or something like that. Um, But tag us in a picture. We will then send you all these videos and you can have them for free. Right. I should say for free. It costs you $12 to get these thousand dollar <laughs> videos that we sold from everybody else. Right. So huge discount. Uh, lucky you.
0: Yeah. So I'm excited for that. So wrap up here again, you know, I hope you guys had a chance to really digest this, you know, process this, think about it. And then, you know, if you guys can put a six word update in, in the, in the comment section on our YouTube show, it'll help you. And it'll also help your peers, right? Cause the more, we can kind of share what we learn together. I think the, the more we all win together. So signing off, thank you guys all for watching and see you guys all next week.